Please stay tuned. Coming right up is the Mind Body Health Show. Welcome, everybody, to Mind Body Health. Hope you're doing well out there today. Want you to know that support for Mind Body Health and KZYX comes from our members and the Waldorf School of Mendocino County, serving preschool through eighth grade. Enrolling now for the 22 23 school year. Families with children two to six years old are invited to our early childhood open house on June 24th. Let's see here. For more information, I wonder if that's July 24th. For more information, MendocinoWaldorf.org. Also, support for KZYX comes from our members and Pacific Redwood Medical Group, serving the community by delivering quality health care in the emergency rooms of Mendocino County's Adventist Health Hospitals for over 30 years. More information available at PacificRedwoodMedicalGroup.com. And you know what? I'm going to let you know that we also have support coming from the Mendocino County Music Festival. So much support coming from everywhere, everyone. Anyway, the Mendocino Music Festival is announcing their 36th Mendocino Music Festival with 25 concerts in Fort Bragg and Mendocino from July 9th to the 23rd. This high-energy season spans jazz, pop, chamber music, Celtic, classic, and Latin, including Las Cataneras, a great song, Blulu. For more information and tickets, MendocinoMusic.org. So we have a little bit happening there on air. Getting notifications, folks. Anyway, we're starting Mind Body Health now. I would like you all to welcome the host of our show, Dr. Marvin Trotter. Are you there, Marvin? Good morning, Cobb. It's nice to be in the studio with you. Um, are we a go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to have an interesting show today, something that interests me a lot, but I'm fairly ignorant about. Ms. Montano... Um, is a midwife, and she is a very well-trained midwife, and I'm going to say hi to her to begin with. Howdy. Hi, Nick. Thank you for having me on. And um, I'm going to ask you to pronounce your name correctly. Devery Montano. Okay. Um, so you're a midwife, and first question is, how did you get to Mendocino County? 
I was originally a nurse down in San Diego County. Once upon a time, I was an active duty. I was a Navy nurse. Really? And um, I was down there for about 11 years. And at the end of that time, I finished my master's program in midwifery. And it kind of matched up with the time that we had two small kiddos. And we were looking to get out of San Diego and live somewhere a little bit more rural, a nice place to raise kids. And we've been here now for almost six years. Well, we've been very fortunate. That must have been quite a change, San Diego to Mendocino. The lack of traffic is a beautiful thing. (laughs) How old are your kids? Nine and 11. Good. Um, I raise my kids here. It is a beautiful place to live. If you have a job, this is a wonderful place to live. Um, Well, welcome to Mendocino County. Um, I think that a lot of people have no idea about the midwifery program at the hospital and what you do. But first of all, would you explain to them how you became a midwife after becoming an RN? Yes. So midwifery is really confusing to a lot of people. Um, There's a lot of different types of midwives. The regulations change from state to state. What does it mean to be a midwife? Who oversees them? The most classically formally trained type of midwife is called a certified nurse midwife. We have gotten a bachelor's degree, most of us in nursing, and then have gone on to get a master's degree in nursing, specializing in women's health and midwifery. So for me personally, and this is a lot of certified nurse midwives throughout the country, four years of bachelor's uh, school, and then another two to three years of master's training. I enjoyed women's health care when I was a 20-year-old nursing student. I knew then that I wanted to go into women's health care. And during my time as a nurse, I was able to do mostly labor and delivery and got to work with wonderful midwives, wonderful OBGYNs, and really wanted to continue my training so that I could uh, finish the process, take care of women when they're pregnant in the clinic, take care of them at the hospital when they're having their baby, catch their baby, and then take care of them postpartum, take care of them with uh, contraceptive needs, birth control needs, um, pap smears, mammograms, really throughout the lifespan of the woman. So it's interesting that you've been sort of doing this ever since you started nursing school. Yes. In nursing school, you they rotate you through different sites each semester. You do a semester of pediatrics. I hated that. That was definitely not for me. Um, you do a, a semester of psychiatric nursing. They really rotate you through, and you are able to get a good feel of what kind of nurse you want to be. It's a wonderful thing about nursing is there's really something for almost everybody. So one of the things is um, Mary and I had three children, all of whom were delivered by a midwife, and that confused some people about not having an OB-GYN doctor. Could you discuss the relationship and the good working relationship you have with OB-GYN doctors as a midwife? Hey, yeah. if I may interrupt, this is Cobb Engineering. Could you also, before you begin that, just give us a quick, for folks that may not know, what a midwife is and what a midwife does and what an OBGYN is and does. Yes. So a certified nurse midwife um, does mostly hospital births. 
throughout the nation. Um, I was looking at stats last night, and for the country a few years ago, 94% of the births done by certified nurse midwives were done in hospitals. There is also the option to do birth center births, home births. I did briefly work in, with a home birth practice for a little while. Um, I had home births uh, out of hospital and home births with both of my children. But most of us as certified nurse midwives do work in hospitals. And we work really, really closely with OBGYNs. So OBGYNs are doctors who have specialized in women's health care. OB is short for obstetrics, taking care of pregnant people. And GYN is gynecology, so taking care of all the other aspects of women's health. And they are surgeons. Thanks. So um, um, somebody also told me that in Europe... Um, a huge portion of the births in Europe are by midwives. Yes. Um, I believe that all of the uh, children that the that Princess Kate has given birth to in England were all caught by midwives. Uh, it's very, very common throughout Europe to, to be very midwife-friendly um, and recognizing that midwifery care is extremely thorough, really well-established in a lot of communities and especially in rural areas where there aren't enough OBGYNs to take care of all of the pregnant, especially the low-risk, healthy pregnant women, um, there's just a need for midwives. There just are not enough surgeons, OBGYNs, to take care right. of every pregnant person in a small town. Yes, I, I thought that um, Mary was crazy wanting to have two home births. Both of them went well. Lynn Meadows uh, was a midwife. Um, and um, I was scared to death. Uh, I had a different experience in medical school in Dallas doing labor and delivery of my first rotation. After 17 births um, of labor and delivery, mostly speaking Spanish, I decided that is not what I wanted to go into uh, because I was not comfortable with the puje, puje, no puje. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we all get into our comfort zone. Um one other aspect, if you just tell people um, uh, about care for her and what the relationship is between the midwife and the OB-GYN doc and how that works, because you yes. all deliver uh, three quarters of the uh, births in the county, to my knowledge. That's probably about right. Those statistics are about right. So Care for Her is part of Mendocino Community Health Clinic here in town. Uh, It's the women's health side of it. We have currently, we have seven midwives, two women's health nurse practitioners, and two OBGYNs. Uh, We're currently um, bringing Dr. Nyack, who is well-known to the community, who's had a private practice. She's actually joining Care for Her, so now we'll have three OBGYNs within our practice. And... We all work together very, very well. Um, this town does have a, a fair amount of high, a high risk obstetric population. Um, and sometimes the patients that we care for here would normally not be cared for by midwives. But because we have such a good working relationship with our doctors, we're able to provide care together where we see them for some of the visits. The OB doctors see them for some of the visits. And then in the hospital, when it's time to be in labor and having the baby, um, sometimes the doctor doesn't come in at all for those high-risk patients. Uh, Sometimes they do come in for the deliveries. When we have patients who need a C-section, 
the doctors do those C-sections and they stand on one side of the table doing the C-section and the one of the nurse midwives is on the other side of the table being the what's called the first assistant in the C-section. So it's really a collaborative care. And can you tell our listeners that may not know what's a C-section versus a normal uh, vaginal birth? So some babies are born vaginally. Um, a lot of times people say uh, natural. They'll say that I, I want to have a natural delivery, um, and that's a little bit more ambiguous. But um, a C-section is a surgery where an incision is made in the abdomen, and the baby is brought out that way. And sometimes it's done in a calm manner and a scheduled C-section, and sometimes things are done emergently. So just as to tell you as an ER doctor, the most fearful thing to me in the ER was having something overhead say, code blue OB, code blue OB. Nothing could come through the ER that bothered me as much as that phrase. Um, had all good um, outcomes, but it, it's, a, it's a very different uh, aspect of medicine when you're dealing with children and OB. You know, it's a lot of stuff comes in through the emergency department that – Whatever, but it's such a crucial time period in a child's, in a person's life to what happens to the mother and the baby at uh, childbirth um, always scared the hell out of me. It is an interesting area of medicine because 95% of the time it's beautiful, it's lovely, it's happy, uh, it's safe, it's wonderful. And then sometimes it, everyone who works in obstetrics, the nurses, the techs, the midwives, the doctors, things can change so quickly, either for the baby or for the mom or postpartum. Sometimes emergencies happen postpartum while they're still in the hospital. And being able to shift very quickly from this is happy, this is wonderful, what a beautiful moment, to oh my goodness, we, we need to get serious and move quickly because the whole situation has changed. Right. Right. And and you have a beautiful setup Um Dr. Crabtree um, delivered my grandson by C-section and did a beautiful job. And I have—I actually have the, the most beautiful grandson in the county at age three years old. Of course uh, you do. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, 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 and the whole OB department at uh, UVMC I think is extraordinary. I think you have very qualified nurses, staff. Everybody does a wonderful job that I've seen on the inside and outside, and it's it's a, a remarkable place. And I think that they've done a great job handling the closure of OB over at Fort Bragg. It's a busy place, and they always uh, do a great job. I agree, especially, again, because it's a small rural hospital. In larger hospitals that I've been at, there's always a full nursery staff that's ready for emergency deliveries. The surgeon and the anesthesiologist are always in-house at all times. Maybe there's multiple anesthesiologists in-house in the hospital at all times. And the nurses and the techs at the hospital here are wonderful. They're great about being able to play multiple roles. Um, they're much more comfortable with caring for newborns that need resuscitation than I ever was as a nurse. When I was a nurse, we always had nursery nurses at delivery that could care for the babies if they needed help. And these nurses here are just very skilled in multiple areas. You know, the one objective evidence that people think, oh, you're just talking about whatever. Um, I think it's been three or four years ago, there was a study, not a study, but a survey of OB-GYN units in California that got five stars. 
and I'm going to get close to this. There was 22 hospitals that got five stars. 17 of the hospitals were Kaiser hospitals. And believe it or not, UVMC was one of those five-star hospitals that got great uh, marks for vaginal deliveries after C-section, for, you know, you know having... Um, Good outcomes. It was, an, I thought, very a very impressive award for a small rural hospital uh, in Northern California. Yeah, one of the statistics that's being followed really over the last maybe five years is what's called the NTSV rate. So we're always looking at avoiding that first C-section, if at all possible, trying to help a woman who's having her first baby have a vaginal delivery. It's much easier to continue to have vaginal deliveries if your first baby was a vaginal delivery, and then also just avoiding the risks of a, of a surgery. C-sections are wonderful when they're needed, but if we can avoid major surgery, that's wonderful. So this rate that's looking for women having their first babies and whether or not they have a C-section with that first baby um, throughout the country is higher than 25%. In our care for her practice over the last couple of years, we've been hovering around 18, 19, 20%. So I'm not sure what the full hospital statistics are, but I can assume that they're also around that area where we really promote anything that we can do to safely have a vaginal delivery with that first baby. So our statistics are quite good there. Could you discuss a little bit about the Family Practice Program, Sarah Martin and the faculty at the Family Practice Program and their uh, OB um, efforts? Yes. So the Adventist Family Practice Program opened a residency training program for family practice residents. And family practice residents, it's a little bit like nursing school where they have to do a rotation in each area because family practice doctors do take care of women. They take care of pregnant women. They take care of children. They really need to be able to get a full scope of training. So the rest of the family practice residency program has been doing their obstetric training with the family practice doctors. Several of the family practice doctors will also do some obstetric care. Some of them do surgery, some of them don't, but will take care of pregnant people. Um, and they've been doing a wonderful job, but the volume of, of pregnant patients that they have isn't as great as ours. So Dr. Perengal, one of the family practice doctors who is wonderful, and I have been working together so that the care for her midwives are actually going to help take on the training of these family practice residents. That seems maybe strange to people to think about a nurse practitioner or a nurse midwife training doctors, but it's actually really common. For the most part, family practice doctors that do vaginal deliveries are, are operating at a similar scope of nurse midwives. Most do not do surgery, um, and most are not going to be taking care of the most high-risk patients. So in a lot of places, like Kaiser, for example, the family practice residents, it's very common, it was also in the military hospital that I worked at, will be trained by the nurse midwives to learn how to take care of normal, healthy, pregnant women um, and how to recognize when things aren't normal and healthy anymore and when to turn over that care to an OB doctor. I think, go ahead and come. Uh, just to let everybody know, we're tuned to KZYX today, and right now you're listening to the Mind Body Health Show with our host, Dr. Marvin Trotter, and our guest right now is Dr. Devery Montagna. I have your pronunciation uh, correct. Do I? 
You got the name right, but I'm not a doctor. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> will you reintroduce your title then for us? Thanks. Yes. So I, I don't have anything in front of the Debris, so certified nurse midwife. Got it. My apologies. So we only have a few minutes before we start taking calls. Uh, one of uh, So I'd like to change the subject to the um, – I think people have a good idea of what's going on in the hospital now. Um, what fascinates me uh, to some extent is what's going on the first eight or 12 weeks of the pregnancy. And I know that um, there's some people that take herbs and stuff before they get pregnant – uh, could you tell me if you're thinking about getting pregnant, what are the uh, you know six rules of having a lovely baby you would do to start out with? And I presume that tequila is not one of them. <laughs> I think tequila is a part of a lot of people getting pregnant, but um, not not to continue during the pregnancy. Um, a lot of people don't think about seeing their obstetric or CNM provider before pregnancy, but that's absolutely something that's an option. Care for her or any of the, or the family practice program. Any women's health provider loves seeing a, a person come in before they're pregnant to talk about these are the medications that I take, these are the supplements that I take, um, uh, here's my family history. Uh, we love to see it's called preconception counseling before you get pregnant counseling. There's also genetic screenings that can be offered before you become pregnant uh, to look for genes that you might carry that you could potentially pass on to your children uh, that could be really important in deciding when and how to get pregnant. So really, we just love it when we get to talk with someone before they get pregnant. However, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> so when somebody is pregnant and they have their first visit here, it's actually not with a midwife or with a doctor. It's usually right when they get that first pregnancy test. And it's with one of our, our educators here at Care for Her who do a wonderful job of doing a, a pretty detailed history of taking in what medications or, or supplements or herbs you might be taking at home, which ones they should continue, which ones we should stop. If they're not sure, they ask one of us. Um, and just starting that care as early as possible before the pregnancy is even better um, to really know what you're going into. I also think that a lot of people don't realize when they're anemic from their menses, or have other issues, you know, what their folate status is, or like you say, any history of problems that they, their mothers had. Um, there was a fascinating study, um, I don't know if this is might be interesting, of um, pregnant um, medical residents. And uh, the um, uh, African-American residents consistently had uh, premature babies or low infant birth rate babies. And it was, um, this was surprising because all of these women were very educated, healthy, well-fed, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But they said that it had a lot to do about the wealth of your grandfather, that the stresses that your mother went through at, the, at with the pregnancy still had, a, and it had an effect when you had pregnancies. And I, uh, is that just so much BS, or is that true, um, that you can be affected by what your mother went through? Yes. So the studies that are come, have come out and just the consolidation of data about maternal 
health in African-American women and specifically African-American women. So not, not black women throughout the world, but specifically African-American women is really devastating to read as a, as a women's healthcare provider. Um, it has nothing to do with the amount of money that a person, exactly like you said, it has nothing to do with a person's necessarily current socioeconomic status. It has to do with generational trauma, generational stress um, that uh, I'm trying to remember. I believe it was Serena Williams, one of the Williams sisters who um, almost died postpartum. And um, this is obviously a woman who had wonderful health care, lots of money, lots of resources available to her. And she was ignored repeatedly postpartum when she said that she was having pain, that she was having trouble breathing. There's there's a lot of data to show African-American women being um, ignored, their pain being ignored, their concerns being ignored. And I think it was really eye-opening for all of us that are, are at the bedside to to have our ears and eyes even more open um, when we're taking care of, of people of color. Okay. So I'm going to change the subject a little bit. Is it really true that you should get pregnant in the summer so you can have springtime babies? <laughs> I think it depends where you live and what the weather's like. Here, gosh, it sure is great to avoid a pregnancy in the summertime here. Smoke is is, is horrible um, here locally. So I that was always my personal thing, to get pregnant in the summertime and have babies in the spring. Um, so if you can time it that well, well done. And if we may uh, open the phone lines for questions from listeners. If you're tuned in to Mind Body Health right now on KZYX and you have a question for our guest, a midwife with Adventist Health, the number to call is 707-895-2448. That's 707-895-2448. We'll get you live into the studio. And and there's one other uh, um thing we should discuss. Dr. Conroy is a private practice OB doc who's taken the place of Dr. Sanchez and works with uh, uh, Tracy Burris as an FMP in private practice uh, um, in town and is a very busy woman. And I, I just wanted to fill out the possibilities for people to go see um, uh, different providers Dr. Conroy. Yes, absolutely. Dr. Conroy is wonderful and very kind. And again, just giving a shout out to how well everyone works together in, in this small town. When Dr. Conroy has a C-section, there have been several times that one of the care for her midwives has been her first assistant. There have been times where it's been a complicated C-section for one of our patients and our doctors have preferred that there be two doctors in the surgery and Dr. Conroy has assisted our doctors. So she's wonderful and just a, a, a good team player in this tiny town. All right. And we have our first caller. Welcome to Mind Body Health. You're live on the radio. Hi. Um, I am also a midwife, but retired and I live on the coast. And I was listening to you talk about the stresses of a pregnancy, and uh, recently um, a friend of mine, a neighbor, just delivered a baby, um, and she had a very wonderful birth over with midwives 
um, in Ukiah. But the worst part of her labor was having to drive from the coast all the way to Ukiah. Um, we, we've all known that that's not a great thing to have to be doing, especially, say, in the middle of the winter. Yeah, absolutely. When the hospital on the coast closed, um, we were very concerned, especially about our moms who are having baby number two, three, four, driving from the coast. Every time I go to the coast to the ocean and drive back as a midwife, I think about it every time. I could not imagine doing this drive in labor, especially if it was coming quickly. What we try to do is be very aware of our moms that live on the coast or our moms that live in Covalo or coming from Lake County, especially folks that are having baby number two, three, four, that we expect things to go more quickly. We um, are more likely to offer vaginal exams in the clinic to let them know, hey, things have already started. If you start to have labor and you live two hours away, even if it's mild, don't start dinner. Don't start a load of laundry. Come over. Let us see you and evaluate you. Even if you're worried that it's too early, please come in. If it's a little bit early, we can have you hang out locally for a few hours and then recheck you and decide if it's time for an admission. Um, but absolutely, it's stressful for us. It's str- and it's I can't imagine. I cannot imagine doing that drive in labor. So I really feel for our families that are coming from Covalo and the coast. And we have another caller. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. Uh, yes, I'm curious. Um, with the recent Supreme Court decision, does Care for Her offer education on abortion? Uh, do they offer abortion services, or do they make referrals locally? And if so, where would those those local facilities be? Thank you. Thanks. So, because we're a federally qualified health center, we're not legally allowed to perform abortions here. However, we can provide referrals. So, there is a Planned Parenthood here in town. There's a one down in Santa Rosa, and we provide education about different types and the windows for availability. We also will do referrals to UCSF or some of the. Um, uh, larger hospitals in the city when there's we're heading down the road of fetal anomalies, et cetera, and giving families you know the opportunity to make decisions. Um, and I do think, um, obviously, it's on the news everywhere. Um, I think it's important to recognize that all of the large obstetric organizations throughout the country have re- released a, a joint um, missions or um, a position statement really against this recent um Supreme Court ruling. It's coming from the American College of Nurse Midwives, ACOG, the largest group of obstetrics um, group in the United States, the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's it's a large group statement from from every women's health care group in the United States. But nothing really has changed in Mendocino County or the state of California, correct? Correct. Here in California, we were protected at this time, and um, you know that we're already preparing for an influx of patients coming from other states. Um, there's a lot of financial discussion about you know how that's going to happen, how different clinics throughout the state are going to manage that expected increased caseload. Okay, got it. And we have another caller with another question. Welcome to oh no. So if you want to call in with a question on Mind Body Health today, 
Uh, that number to call is 707-895-2448. So I got a question for you. Here, you're, it's your first baby. Uh, you're expecting something more than a 14-minute uh, labor and delivery period. Um, tell me what to do to make myself a happy woman and a, <laughs> and a happy baby when you're nine months pregnant. Yeah, so our hospital has uh, 12 labor and delivery rooms, technically. A few of them are triage, and some of them are often used more for observation. But there's they're all private rooms. Um, all of the rooms have showers, and two of the rooms have tubs. So for our folks that are trying to avoid pain management um, medication or in labor, they certainly have those tubs and those showers. There's also medications that are offered and safe for labor. There's IV pain medication. There's an epidural, which is the medicine that goes through the back. It's a a continuous infusion in the spine that helps keep women mostly pain-free or low pain. Um, And then there's also, um, this one is always fun, the nitrous oxide, which we know about as laughing gas at the dentist, uh, that sometimes is really great for managing pain, especially for really fast labors. I really like the laughing gas for women. Um, So there's really safe options, and every laboring person needs something different. And a lot of times it's, it's, being at the bedside. So midwife, the original breakdown of the word means with woman. So part of our job, you know, we think of it, the technical medical things, but also it's, it's coaching the person in labor, reassuring them, letting them know that they're safe, giving them guidance on how to move their body, what to do next and giving guidance to everyone in the room too, because in addition to keeping the pregnant person happy. I also want to keep the partner happy, the mother happy, who's ever else is in the room. Um, I need to keep one eye on the, the husband to make sure he's not about to faint on top of the bed, which hey, has happened hey, a hey. few times. Hey, hey. <laughs> really? That's happened? Oh, yes. <laughs> I try to keep them close to the with a thing of juice and anticipation. So, you know, I was impressed when they built the new OB-GYN unit how nice the birthing rooms are. I mean, these aren't just little closets on the side of the, you know, plaza. Um, They're very nice um, birthing rooms. And people, that's another thing that I think people should do if they're pregnant. Go by and visit different facilities in the area. You know, there's out-of-hospital delivery sites Come see the labor rooms in the hospital. Um, on another topic, I don't know how you all do it, but I always hear how nice midwives are. I mean, do you do you wear Valium patches? Do you, <laughs> are all of you Buddhists? Um, do you I have don't want to give gr- away. I don't want to give away too many trade okay. secrets. Okay, but, but it, I will say that we love taking care of of women and their family. We really, truly enjoy our jobs and the full scope of it. Um, it's emotional care. It's physical care. We really enjoy our jobs, and that makes being kind a lot easier. All right, and we have another caller. Welcome to Mind Body Health. Go ahead with your question. I, yes, I am so pleased that we finally have a birthing space for ladies in labor because um, I've had seven, three at home, uh, two with midwives, um, um, family, and actually more, more, more midwives. But um, 
three in the hospital, three at home, three in the hospital. <clears throat> and I, all I know is that you, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful that we have a space because I worry about women being in labor and being in a car or in the emergency. Are, are you training the, uh, the first uh, questions are? Are you training the people that are, uh, you know, the first responders? Are they trained to have to give birth? Because <laughs> sometimes women don't have great, the... Great uh, question. I want to hear what Cobb's okay. answer is. <laughs> As an EMT that works in the back of a volunteer ambulance, I know that all EMTs are required to be trained um, to recognize uh potential complications with childbirth when that kind of emergency comes in and to assist with a natural delivery. Um, and we're also trained to recognize that even though the call's coming in as an emergency, it's one of the few um, medical trainings we're given that, that puts a lot of emphasis on the fact that childbirth, such as it is, is not an emergency. You know, it's a natural thing to take some of the stress out of that for you know an emergency worker in that field but having said that we are trained on several conditions um, and you could go into those complications if you'd like um, I also well yeah I'll pause right there I'm going to ask you to discuss how to be have a healthy birth I think with the amount of diabetes that we have um, um, you know, there's a lot of importance about having a healthy baby, uh, gestational diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, as an offshoot, the healthiest uh, delivery I ever saw was this woman who was a swimmer. Uh, this woman uh, was swimming when she was nine months pregnant and had a great birth. And maybe that was just a coincidence. But I think there's a big difference between uh, a lot of births uh, in this area. Yeah, I would say that probably the biggest thing that makes this area see a little bit more high-risk pregnancies are one or the other combination of hypertension, high blood pressure, and diabetes. And that's a big part of, again, why we love the preconception that before your pregnant visit where we can already screen, talk about screening for diabetes. When someone comes in for their first prenatal visit with a midwife or with a doctor at around 12 weeks, we've probably ordered that initial lab to look for someone who actually already has diabetes and maybe doesn't know it. Um, and then we can very quickly, you know, really do a lot of diet and education, um, diet and exercise education. Um, and we have then we have the whole window of the or almost two thirds of the pregnancy to really work on sugar control throughout the pregnancy. Uh, we do screen again for diabetes at around 28 weeks of pregnancy. It's sometimes a little bit harder when we catch it then because maybe labs aren't done in time. Maybe it's 30, 32 weeks now, and then we have a smaller window of time to really make big changes. And we're really doing more quick control to try to make sure those last couple of weeks of pregnancy that the sugar status for mom is pretty steady. So walk, walk, walk. That's that's my internal medicine primary care. I don't think that people are nearly as active as they used to be. Uh, when somebody told me they do get exercise and I asked them when, they said, well, I walk around Walmart when I shop. You know, I told her that that wasn't uh, adequate. Um the other thing that 
um, I was going to say that slipped my mind now was um, how do we um, about was about birth control. I was shocked that read an article. Tell me if I'm wrong. That there's 65 percent less teen pregnancies since 2005 uh, than there was. I remember when Mendocino County had higher than the state average. Now we have lower than the state average. Could you discuss IUDs or whatever has made such a difference in teen pregnancies, which I think is wonderful? So teen pregnancies are a great focal point of data to look at differences throughout the United States. It is a wide range in the rate of teen pregnancy in different states, and that a lot of that has to do with what kind of education is provided in their public schools and access to insurance um, that can provide them different types of contraception. Here we have what's called family pact, P-A-C-T, that anyone can apply for. It's income-based. It can be set to private so that a teenager can come into our clinic, fill out the paperwork, state that they have no income, and make sure that nothing is mailed to their home so that they, if they need it, they can come in and get um, private full scope care and that includes screening for different STDs and that talks also includes different types of birth control. And my main thing with birth control that I tell everybody is there is a birth control for everyone and then the, it's just a matter of finding the right one for you. Every birth control has risks, benefits, maybe some downsides to it and finding out what's most important for that person and finding the right birth control for them is possible. Um, midwives do place IUDs, which are devices that go through the cervix and then sit inside of the uterus. They can be good for three to 10 years, depending on the brand and the type. They're wonderful at preventing pregnancy. And then another medication or birth control option that's come out in the last couple of years is called Nexplanon, which is a, a little implant that goes in, on the inside of the arm. Some patients' grandmothers or, or aunts and uncles might be thinking of an, a, a similar birth control that was called Implanon that also went in the arm and had a lot of problems associated with it. They canceled that medication, and we now have Nexplanon, which is actually the most effective form of birth control that's, that's available. It's an implant that goes in the arm, and it's great for three years of really excellent birth control coverage. Great. I know that was a little off the subject, but I, I, um, you know, I think it's a big deal, the success with teen pregnancies. Yeah, it's definitely something to be to, to celebrate and, and to, to give these gals and also the, the obviously the boys, too, as much time as possible to get through school, get themselves in a good place to, to be ready to raise a family. And the men could also stand up and have a vasectomy is something that's, my, <laughs> that's, that's never discussed. That's my favorite form of birth control. <laughs> so we have another uh, listener question. And before we take it, I just want people to know that they're tuned to Mind Body Health on KZYX. Our guest today is a midwife with the Adventist Health, uh, Devery Montano and our host of course is Dr. Marvin Trotter so if you'd like to call in with a question the number to call to get live in the studio here is 707-895-2448 that's 707-895-2448 
Uh, welcome, caller. You're live on the radio. Go ahead with your question. Yeah, is there a library for uh, childbirth education with, like, a husband coach childbirth or midwifery, spiritual midwifery, and being te- easier lessons, breathing, understanding the physiology of the childbirth? Because the more you understand what's going on, um, I have... the. Good, good question. Is there a library, or what would you do to educate yourself, Devery? So our educators, we currently have three educators. They're called CPSP uh, educators here at Care for Her, and they have tons of books. They have DVDs. Um, they've got lots and lots of resources that they lend out or give to people. And then there are really good websites as well. Um, ACNM, it's, if you just go to the, the website midwife.org, uh, they have, it's all for the midwives of the United States, uh, the nurse midwives of the United States, our organization, and they have lots of resources for patients. Um, and then also Planned Parenthood always has lots of information, not so much about pregnancy, but their information on birth control options is also really a wonderful online resource. And can you give the contact information for uh, listeners out there? today that are interested in uh, speaking with your educators and how they get involved with your programs? Yes. So Mendocino Community Health Clinic is where Care for Her is located. And the main number for our clinic is 707-468-1010. And that reaches just the main MCHC line. And making an appointment with Care for Her is always the best place to start. Also, uh, there was uh, this is a MCHC clinic care for her that um, provides care for a lot of the county. Um, they work at the Ukiah Adventist Hospital in Ukiah uh, in their incredible OB/GYN unit, but it's MCHC. And I just want to show a uh, shout out that MCHC has a new jefe, an extraordinary man, Rod Granger is now the new boss at MCHC, and it's been a fabulous organization. I'm sure it will continue to be because of Rod's care. Um, tell us a little uh, – yeah, do you have a question? I, I do have a question. I know in the past it was um, quite a, a concern about the OBGYN program in on the coast uh, as that transition took place, and I'm wondering if you could expand on what the OBGYN program is on the coast right now and how that's available and what areas and so forth. So most pregnant people on the coast start off their their prenatal care at Mendocino Coast Clinic, uh, MCC, and get a lot of their pregnancy care at the beginning, usually up through about 28 weeks. They're able to get all of their labs done, genetic screening done, anatomy ultrasound done, diabetes screen done at around 28 weeks. Um, And then they'll transfer care oftentimes to us to care for her or to the other providers in town. And we take over the prenatal care from there where we start seeing them every one to two weeks, you know, as we get closer to the baby being born more often. Um, So they're at least being able to start off their pregnancy care there. And that clinic does a great job of of providing very, very thorough care. They used to do prenatal care for people that were delivering on the coast. So they provide excellent care and then just transfer to us in about the third trimester. And does that mean the patients are driving inland, or are you going to the coast? 
No, they come, they come to us. So there's a lot of women. Oh. Um, there's always. Sorry, we lost our connection just a little bit. Can you repeat that? Yeah, there's always a midwife that's on call in the hospital that's awake at all times. There's one of us always awake. So for our gals that are coming from the coast that are really unsure, is it time to get in the car? Is it not? We always tell them, please call us. We'll talk you through when is it time to come? Because, again, that drive is not something I would be envious of. And we have another caller with a question. Welcome to KZYX. You're live on the radio. Go ahead with your question. Thanks for taking my call. Um, And my question is, um, how does the system deal with pregnancies resulting uh, from sexual abuse and incest? Something difficult to talk about, but important to address. And I'll take my answer off the air. It is really important. We do, and this is what I talk about midwifery care or just obstetric care in general, not being all about, let me check your blood pressure, let me listen to the baby. Um, There's a lot more to it. Uh, We work trying to kind of tease out what is the social situation at home? Are things safe? Is is this relationship consensual? Um, I've been at the bedside of an 11-year-old having a baby while the 40-year-old air quotes, uncle stood nearby. Um, so again, there's this talk of women's healthcare being beautiful and it is, but there's also this part of women's healthcare that is really, really difficult and having, getting people to trust you, to tell you that this, these things happen. It doesn't happen on the first visit. You know, we, we tend to find these things out later as the pregnancy goes on. MCHC has a great behavioral health department, and we work really closely with several of their counselors and therapists for people that need it. Um, And then obviously, we are required responders for for abuse that's actively happening. Um, And nobody likes for law enforcement to get involved in a pregnancy. But sometimes when we have someone coming in who is obviously injured, uh, this is an acute thing happening. There have been times that obviously law enforcement is contacted and involved. Got it. And we have another call. Oh, no. So, yeah, if you want to call in with a question um, on Mind Body Health today, call 707-895-2448. And we have just enough time left for a couple more calls. So if you have a question out there, that number to call is 707-895-2448. So, Devney, I remember being in the kitchen of my brother's house when his uh, when he received the bill for his epidural, uh, for his wife's <laughs> epidural. And he started to complain about it, and she started hitting him, saying that, you know, pay the bill, you dumb so-and-so. That was the most wonderful thing in my life um, when she had her fourth child. Um, Tell us a little bit about, you know, midwifery and epidurals and Pitocin. More generally, can you speak to the cost of uh, prenatal care and midwife care for anyone coming into your programs at the hospital and how insurance relates to that, such as you know? Oh, health insurance is a mess. So that's the long and short of it. I will say that a large population here in Mendocino does not have private health insurance. 
Um, when a person becomes pregnant, they are able to apply and become eligible for pregnancy-only Medi-Cal. It starts off as something called presumptive, which covers a month of care, which is a, usually a pretty important month. They get a lot of initial labs. They get an initial ultrasound. And then it switches to pregnancy-only Medi-Cal, which can go, I believe I believe the rules just changed from six months to a year postpartum that that pregnancy-only Medi-Cal covers. Um and so for that population, there is no cost, um, and, and it's so well supported by research that giving excellent care to people of a lower economic status, if it's all about the money, it saves money in the long run by giving people free and thorough and wonderful prenatal care and avoiding horrific costs on the back end of someone who has avoided prenatal care because they thought they couldn't avoid it. Um, or because they thought they couldn't pay for it. Now, when we get to talk about private insurance, um, that's where people, yeah, absolutely, there is, you get billed for every mm-hmm. Tylenol that you take, and yep, an epidural is part of it. Most pregnant people, because preg- uh, prenatal care and the birth is, is a large bill, obviously they're going to meet their deductible um, so that part of it is covered, but pregnancy is expensive. Got it. Um, and we're coming up on the end of our hour. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you for hosting yet again another show, Dr. Marvin Trotter. We have just a few minutes to go, and I'm wondering if you can present once again just a quick outline of what programs are available to people in Mendocino County and how they can reach out to um, contact those programs. Yeah. So obstetric care here in the county is through MCHC, Mendocino Community Health Clinic, here at Care for Her. It's through Dr. Erin Conroy, and it's through the Adventist Health Family Practice Program. Um, And we all work really well together when someone's out sick, when there's a need to cover we all work together really, really well. And there's a different practice for different people. There's some people want to see the same provider every time and a solo practitioner might be the way for them to go. Um, and all of us have good websites. Okay. And how would the um, um, public contact you if they're wanting to just call 468-1010? Yes. And one of the options on the phone tree is care for her. And your name again? Devery Montano. Just want to make sure everybody knows who you are. And how many midwives are there at the hospital? Currently, we have seven, and we're hiring two more that will be starting in July and August. And how many deliveries are happening at the hospital these days? Ooh, I think we tend to average somewhere between 50 and 60 a month. Some months are busier than others. I know when I ever go ever when I ever go in there, actually it makes me anxious, tachycardic. I'm okay in the ER, but you just walk into the labor and delivery area, and you know you're I'm I'm an anxious man, um, but it's a wonderful, um, cohesive nursing midwives staff, uh, beautiful place, uh, and everybody has a good time delivering excellent care. It's a wonderful place to work. All right, and we are coming up on the end of our hour. Thank you so much for being here and and taking the time with us and with all the listeners. Thank you again Great for job. having me on. Thank you. Hope to have it have you on again soon. Yeah, absolutely.
All right, folks, that's been the Mind Body Health Show. Thanks again, Marvin. And what's coming up in the next few weeks, just in a quick 15 seconds? It's very interesting. We're going to start having a new batch of residents. And um, we're going to have a residence show. And also next month you're going to hear from a nutritionist that I work with at 1050 North State Street. Annie's going to be on, and she's going to be good. And that's going to be a great show about nutrition. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Dr. Marvin Trotter, host of the Mind and Body Health Show. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.